Thank you, Lord. Ze- Zechariah 9.11 says, As for you also, because of the blood of your covenant, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Verse 12, return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today, I declare that I will restore double to you. Let's read that again. Zechariah 9, 11. As for you also, touch your neighbor, say, you also. As for you also, because of the blood of your covenant, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today, I declare that I will restore double to you. Everyone say, boom. Tonight, we are starting a series on hope. Everyone say, hope. Tonight, so we're, we're starting this series for tonight, for next week, and for the next week after that, we will be speaking on hope. Hope in Scripture is always an eager expectation of good. And, and my, my heart tonight is that to encourage you to dream again. My heart tonight is that you would, you would come ignited with hope and that you have freedom to dream again. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to dream again. It's time to dream again. Tell them, do it again. Just tell them, do it again. Do do it again. Do it again. It's time to dream again. Things that, things we dream about what could be. We we dream about what things that God could do. What what could God do with a a group of, of 50 to 60 people who meet every Thursday night? What could God do with a generation whose lives are completely sold out for Christ? I think it was Charles uh, uh, Finney or Charles Wesley, I think. He said, just give me 100 people who hate sin and fear God, and, and I will change the world with them. Just, just give me a few people who hate sin and fear God, and I'll change the world. Well, what if we just had, what if, what if we had half of that and just a whole people who are sold out? What, what if we just had 12 people who are sold out? Sounds familiar. <laughs> and they were here today because 12 people were ignited with passion, were ignited with hope. And, and my heart today is that we would dream again. What could God do with the people sold out? What could God do with your life? What could God do in your life? What could God do in your, in your future marriages? What could God do with your, with your situations in school and your dreams and your desires and the plans and purposes that God has put inside of your heart? What could God do? It's time to dream. It's time to dream. Come on. It's it's been said before that a man without a vision is a man without a future. And a man without a future will always return to his past. This is what happens when you lose hope. You return to your past. And we all know we don't want to go back there. Come on, somebody. Hope for the future gives power for the present. When I have hope and eager expectation that good is coming my way, it gives me an ability to keep moving forward in my present circumstance. Hope for the future gives power for the present. It's been said that once you stop dreaming, that's when you start dying. When you stop dreaming, that's when you start dying. It's, it's hope. We need hope. We need to dream again. And the things that were once lost, God breathes life into us again, and, and he whispers in our ear and says, hey, it's time to dream again. Langston Hughes, an American poet, said that, he said, Hold fast to dreams, for if dreams die, life is a broken-winged bird that cannot fly. This is what hope does for us. 
It allows us to dream again. Because this, what happens is life, man, is the power of hope. There's a, such a powerful force. But what happens when we stop dreaming, it's, it, we, 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 we start dying and we stop dreaming because we let life get in the way. It clogs up the, the, the pipes, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like our, this is us before Christ, okay? <laughs> this balloon, this is just a deflated balloon. We're, we're dead in our sins without hope. Ephesians tells us that we are without hope and without God in the world. That's, that's their state outside of Christ. And we'll get into this a little more deeper. But, but it says that he'll set us free from the, the prisoners, free from the waterless pit. That's, that's life outside of Christ is in a waterless pit, like a huge pit of there's not water, it's dry, it's empty, it's despair, you can't get out, and you're eventually going to die. That's life without Christ. Come on. Help me understand. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. You know what I'm saying? But this is our life outside of Christ. Christ comes, and let's see if I can do this. He starts breathing into our hearts, and the dreams that we never thought were possible start coming alive, and we start getting inflated. I'm going to get lightheaded. <laughs> One more or else I might pass out. Wait. And, it, it, you know, and we get inflated, man. We get inflated. We, we read the word and we're like, what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? What? Greater is he that's within me than he that's in the world? Like, what? All of my sins are forgiven and my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life? I can overcome all the power of the enemy. What? And we're like excited. And then stuff starts happening in our life. And then all of a sudden it's like. <laughs> and, we, and some of our hope gone, just up and gone. You know what I'm saying? Stress and anxiety. You know, stress and anxiety, it's really hard for the anointing to flow when you're under stress and anxiety. It's really hard for creativity to flow when you're under that. And we get under that with life and we let the life get in the way and it starts deflating our hope. And, and, then, and then actually even sin, it actually starts blinding us. Sin actually blinds us and hinders us from hope. And it deflates our hope because we start seeing things incorrectly because sin, when we're living in sin, I'm not talking about when we mess up here and there. I'm talking about when we are living in sin and direct disobedience to what the Lord has revealed, we, we get completely distorted. Our thinking goes way off. And all of a sudden, again, we just get deflated. And, and even when this, this is even crazier. This is probably what most of us experience. The hardening of our hearts because we got hurt, because we got disappointed. And all of a sudden, when another situation comes knocking on our door, all of a sudden we're like, nah, I don't want to believe again because it hurt too bad to feel disappointed. And our hope starts getting deflated. It deflates our hope. I, I literally met someone today. I just went to go get a smoothie just because I just wanted a little, you know, little pick-me-up. And the, and the dude behind the counter starts telling me, like, you can't, man, you, I, just, I, I learned that my problem was expectation. I just started expecting God. I just can't expect people. I can't expect anything. It's just, it's just my life. I've been in depression for, like, 12, 14 years. It's just, gonna, it's just the way it is. It's just the way. <laughs> because he, he had bad experiences in church, bad experiences with God. 
probably because of false expectation and, 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 and just, just, a, just all kinds of stuff. And he just lost his hope because he experienced disappointment. And his whole, and it deflates it. And, our, and his heart was hard towards God. And I just looked at him and said, dude, it sounds like you're hurting, man. I just want to encourage you, just go to Jesus. Ah, people might disappoint you, church. Yeah, we mess up. You know what I'm saying? Like, church government isn't perfect. The leadership of church isn't perfect. Uh, you know, and that's okay. And God's actually okay with that because he's the one who set it up. It's probably like a real strategic way for you to learn how to love people. I'm going to give you imperfect people, leaders. I'm going to give you imperfect uh, connect group leaders. I'm going to give you imperfect, you know, worship team people, you know, whatever it is. I, that's me. I, I, you know, like I'm going to give you imperfect people who are sitting right next to you, you know, so that way you can put this whole love is patient into practice thing. Not to deflate your hope, but to train you in righteousness. Are you with me on this? And, and man, we get born again and all of a sudden, like a few months into it, or, you know, we get excited. We read the word, we hear a prophetic word, we get all this stuff. We're like, yeah, we are your burning ones. We are, got a prophetic word last night at the hunger night. Yeah. Tomorrow I'm coming. <laughs> We got a bad case of the Mondays, you know, you know, and we just go on this up and down thing, man. But God is actually calling us prisoners of hope. And my, my heart is that that we would we the, the, yeah, let's just let it happen. Yeah. It happens. I'm not here to condemn you for, for losing your hope. I'm here to actually breathe hope back into you tonight. Because it happens. It's life, man. We have life. And, and life just happens sometimes, but God in this scripture is prophesying to you saying that we are actually called prisoners of hope. What does that mean? People who are actually bound by hope. Did you catch that? We're bound by hope. I am in a prison called hope. Like, like the attack of the enemy is to discourage you to be hopeless, to bind you with despair, and make you feel like you're stuck. That's the attack of the enemy. But the Lord comes on the reverse, and God wants you to be bound with hope, prisoners of hope. Ah, I'm stuck in hope. I can't help. I cannot help but believe. I cannot help but expect. I cannot help but anticipate that God is bringing breakthrough in my my life. I am stuck in hope. I am a prisoner of hope. I cannot help for God to bring breakthrough and release good coming my way. It's possible to live this kind of lifestyle. I guarantee it. It's written in the word. We are prisoners of hope that you just can't help. But like, man, God must break through in this situation. You know, your mind's renewed to this kind of stuff that when people come to you with impossibilities, you get encouraged. You're like, oh, what? That just happened to you? Watch God. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, man, we can't, we, man, we're not stuck in the, in the bottomless pit, the waterless pit. We're set free from that. And now we're bound by hope. I am stuck in a prison called hope. Come on. You are, you are prisoners of hope. This is who God calls you to be. This is your identity in Christ. Someone who is completely bound that cannot help 
but just expect that good is coming your way. That's, come on, man, this, this is like revolutionary way of living. And I'm telling you, the first thing you have to do, the, the, the first point of tonight is this, is that you have to break ties with negative expectation. You have to break ties with it. It's not who you are. It's not who Jesus is. We have to break ties with negative expectation. You know this verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. What is it? Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Come on. Do we believe this? Dude, I mean, sometimes, man, we, we take the, the, possible, the possible negative outcomes and we treat them as if they're the word of the Lord. We bank, we put all of our faith in what the worst could happen. Let me, let me break it down. We say things like, oh, yeah, I always have bad luck on the freeway. Nobody really likes me over there. That's just the way it is. No one really likes me. I, I, just, I just have bad dreams tonight. That's just the way it is. I just have bad dreams. I'm going to have bad dreams tonight. Why? Oh, I've just been dealing with depression my whole life. Why would it change now? What are you, what are you talking about? You are putting your, you're doing reverse hope into a lie that's putting us in bondage. Well, you know, disease just really takes out my family, so it's probably going to come on me. And we, I'm telling you, we say these things, maybe not the way that we would, you know, we wouldn't really say it in this context tonight, but I'll, I'll probably just be single the rest of my life. That's just the way it is. How old are you? 18? Dude, oh my gosh, get him. <laughs> Come on, we take possible negative outcomes and we act like they're the word of the Lord. And we, man, I'm telling you, if we would take the passion that we have for these lies and just transfer them over to something that's hopeful, whoa, your whole life would change. Oh, I'll probably be broke the rest of my life. Come on, man. Well, well, I tried that before and it just doesn't work. Do it again. Seek until you find. Knock until the door is open. Ask until you receive. Come on, man. Hopeless people give up on that, but hopeful, like, like prisoners of hope, don't settle for that kind of stuff. We, we don't just, just go like, well, that's just the way my family is. Well, that's just the way that I am. I'm a jerk. I'm Italian, so we get angry. That is retarded. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay. You know, your identity is found in your ethnicity before Christ. Is that what you're saying? Come on, somebody. Well, Irish people, they just get angry at stuff. Well, well, how about get angry at the devil, okay? Like, what, you know what I'm saying? Like, how about get angry at hopelessness? How about get angry at people who are in despair, not believing that God can bring a breakthrough and just release hope on them? I'm angry. I'm not angry at you. I'm angry at what the devil's telling you. And so I'm going to tell you the truth about this situation. Come on, man. Well, you know, there's just some things in my family. There are some immorality issues in my family. So therefore, I'm going to deal with it. Why? There's alcoholism runs in my family. So what? You're a new creation in Christ. And we say weird things like this. We just say, well, that's just the way I am. That's just the way my family is. That's just the way I grew up. Well, are you, you're a new creation in Christ, man. Come on. The old things are passed away and the new things have come. We have to break ties with negative expectation. We have to really ask these questions like, like who told you that was true? 
come on, man, where does that, where does these lies come from? Well, you know, it's, well, my past experience told me. Well, the past experience is not the word of God, so you can just throw that one away too. Come on, man. I pray for like a lot of people they didn't get healed, but then I pray for someone they did. So if I listened to my past experience, man, I would never pray for the sick. You know what I'm saying? Like if a baby determined its future based on its past, it would never walk. Hey. <laughs> Why does it have to be the same? I mean, you have the very power that raised Christ from the dead. You have the fullness of Christ in you. You are a new creation. How could those situations stay the same? How is it possible? Because I've tried before and does it. Well, do it again because you really have the anointing of God living inside of you. It said rivers out of your innermost being, rivers of living water will flow from within you. Come on, man. What's the, what's the real word of the Lord? What is God really saying about your situation, about your life, about your dreams? What is God really saying about it? Come on. And we got to break ties with a negative expectation. That first verse we read, Zechariah 9, 11 says, as for you, because of the blood, everyone say the blood. Because of the blood of your covenant, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. This, you can even look at the context. This is a prophecy of a coming Messiah. Earlier in Zechariah 9, he talks about your king will come riding on a donkey, a.k.a. Jesus. is quoted in Matthew's gospel showing that this context is referring to the Messiah, to Christ, who was to come. And actually it says, this is a prophecy of the blood of Jesus. It says, because of the blood, prisoners are set free from a waterless pit. The waterless pit, think about this now. Think about a huge pit that goes down and there's no water in it and you cannot reach out. It's not even muddy, you know what I'm saying? You, there's nothing in there. It's a place of dryness. It is a place of perpetual thirst. It is a place of loneliness. It is a place of utter despair. It is a place of hopelessness. This is a place called stuck. You know what I'm saying? This is a place that is, and this is our state outside of Christ. Man, what a powerful picture that the prophet paints of what it is to be outside of Christ. And what we see is that there is an eventual death impending when you're stuck in a waterless pit. There's no food, there's no water, and all you see is a little light up there, but you can't reach it because you're stuck at the bottom and there's nothing to get you out. Impending death. The wages of sin is death. This is what it looks like to be outside of Christ. When you have not accepted Jesus, you're still stuck in a waterless pit. But the hope is revealed in here that he tells us the answer to get out of a waterless pit. And he said it's the blood of the covenant. The blood. Everyone say the blood. The blood of the covenant sets us free. It says that the blood cleanses us from all sins. Look at this, Ephesians 1, 7. It says, Ephesians 1, 7, he is so rich in his kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom. Someone say freedom. freedom. With the blood of Christ, with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Come on, the blood set us free. The blood set us free from a perpetual state of hopelessness. The blood set us free from despair and death and impending doom so it was coming our way. And we didn't know when it was coming. It could have happened to me when I was 17 when I got in a car accident, but thank God he spared my life by his mercy. But impending doom was coming my way, but the blood of Jesus set me free from, a, from, a, from eternal destruction. And even most importantly now, or not most importantly, but presently important, the, the hope that we have in Christ. He is so rich, he purchased our freedom. Someone say freedom again. Freedom. We are free from perpetual hopelessness. And he goes on to say that we're prisoners of hope. How does this happen? 
Come on, man, 2 Corinthians 5.21, I'm going to read it out of the message. It says, how, you say, in Christ, God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so we could be put right with God. God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so we could be put right with God. I want you to catch this. You, I mean, man, I, you have to catch this in your heart tonight, especially if, you're, if you've been dealing with despair and hopelessness in any situation in your life. Jesus got everything we deserved as sinners at the cross. He absorbed, we, wages of sin is death, so what did he do on a cross? He died. He, he absorbed our sin in himself. He absorbed all of our death. He absorbed all of our sin, all of our shame, all of our guilt, all of our condemnation, all of our stress and anxiety. Did you know that the first thing Jesus redeemed us from was stress and anxiety? Because we have redemption through the blood, right? And where did his blood first start coming out? He was in the garden of Gethsemane. And he said in, out of his own mouth, he said, my soul is in anguish, even to the point of death. And he began to sweat tears of blood. Hey. Stress and anxiety is actually part of the curse. And so Jesus' blood was shed in a stressful and anxiety-filled moment to tell you the first place he redeems you is from stress and anxiety sets you free. You with me on this? If the blood really sets you free, then where did his blood shed? Well, he shed it when he was really, his soul was in anguish. Have you ever been in anguish? Blood sets you free. Come on, somebody. Jesus did it for you. He did it because he loves you. From the blood of his covenant, he releases, he sets free prisoners in the waterless pit. Th that was part of the waterless pit. Stress and anxiety is part of the waterless pit. And Jesus' blood set us free from it. Come on. This is the blood, man. He got everything we deserved. He absorbed in himself all of our diseases. He absorbed that in his body, all of our ailments. He absorbed it in his body so we could get the quality of life that Jesus had. Not the quality of life our forefathers had, but the quality of life that Jesus has. He absorbed all that. We had, he took it all on himself so we could take all what it looks like, everything that Jesus deserves as a beloved son of God. Come on, this is, this is how, how can I legally expect good to come my way? Because I just, I went to the Anthony Robbins seminar and learned how to be a positive thinker. No, because the blood of Christ set you free from the waterless pit. You can eagerly expect good to come your way because it's not based on what you deserve. It's based on everything that Jesus deserves. Does Jesus deserve to be blessed? Then so do you. Does Jesus get health in his body? Yes, then so do you. Does Jesus get pr provision and, 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 and generosity, all this? Yes, everything Jesus gets, you get acceptance and freedom and, and healing and all the things, relational freedom and healing and relations. All of this stuff you get because you're in Christ. Yay. 1 John 4, 17 says, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. Come on, we have to break ties with the negative expectations because everything Jesus gets, you get. How can I expect good to come my way? Because good comes Jesus' way. And as Jesus is, so am I in this world. We have to get this in our hearts. 
We have to. We have to break every tie with negative expectations. We have to. What good is it for you to believe that bad stuff's going to happen to you? Come on. Jesus said, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Come on. Well, your dad in heaven knows everything you need before you even ask him. You're like, well, how am I going to, how am I going to, hope. You're a prisoner of hope. And the blood of the covenant sets you free from the waterless pit. And we have to let God's way of thinking transform our way of thinking by knowing his word, believing what he's done for us, and even feeding off of the testimonies of what we heard in other people's lives. Come on, man. Rochelle's getting like $100 tips recently. Like, like just blessed after blessed. People just keep giving her. Come on. It's the same for you. Are you with me on this? Well, is it about money? No, man, it's just anything that's good, man. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father, the Father of lights, not stars, but lights, you, light of the world. Jesus, God, every good and perfect gift. This is your dad. Come on. And so we have to let his way uh, transform the way that we think. There, I want you to catch this. There is not an impending doom coming your way. There is not an impending doom coming your way. If you are in Christ, you've been set free from the waterless pit and you're now a prisoner of hope. Come on. Some of us might've even heard like, heard me say this a lot. Like, you know, he took your place so you could take his place, all this stuff. And sometimes it can just turn into a, a thing. Oh yeah, I know that one. No, 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 no. We, I was just reading Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers of the, of the early, uh, early, like late 1800s, early 1900s. And he, was, he pauses in the middle of one of his messages and said, if we ever get weary of the substitutionary, you know, gospel, you know, how Jesus took our place and all this stuff, man, we, we have done something wrong. And he just goes on to preach about it for a few paragraphs, you know, because there's a transcription of his thing. And I was just so ignited with hope again, like, ah, this is what Jesus did for me. It's not just a ticket into heaven. It's for a hope right now on the earth. Come on. And, and so, man, I was thinking about this, and I was doing a study on hope. In Hebrew, the word is, is tikva. Everyone say tikva. Hebrew, the word is, where it says prisoners of hope, prisoners of tikva. And I was looking at the first mention of this word. So it brought me to Joshua 2. And I, Joshua 2 is a story where uh, the, the, uh, Joshua is about to lead Israel into the promised land, and they were about to take this town called Jericho. Everyone say Jericho. And they were about to take this town, but Joshua did this thing, and he said he sent two spies out there to go check out the land to see how, how it was going to roll. The two spies get into the land of Jericho. They, they actually, this, this lady named Rahab takes them in. And, and, and all of a sudden, uh, the word got out to the king of Jericho that, hey, there's two spies from Israel. They're, they're in this place. Go, go. They're at Rahab's house. So, so they, they send messengers to Rahab's house, and she knows it, but so she hides them up in the rafters, basically, and puts hay on top of them and hides them. 
and just tells them, yeah, they were here, but I don't know where they came from. They left that way. Go, <laughs> go that way. You know what I'm saying? They, they, go that way. So, so maybe you can catch them before they escape. So, so the people believed her, left. Then, then this, they have this conversation. The spies come down from Israel and start talking to Rahab. And basically the conversation goes something like this. They say like, uh, man, you know, Rahab tells them that there's actually a reputation of Israel because of the way that the Lord had fought for them when he rescued them from Egypt. Mind you, that is like a long time. That is like 40, 50, 60 years before that, that, that it happened. And the, and the testimony is still going out. You know what I'm saying? 50 years later, people are still afraid how the Lord set them free and put plagues on Egypt and crossed the Red Sea, this whole thing. And this is what they said. They said, our people are in great terror and our hearts are melting because we heard how the Lord has given you our city and we're afraid about what you're about to do to us. Come on, man. You can't tell me that testimony doesn't have power. Come on. Someone was talking. <laughs> and it wasn't the gossip, gossip kind of, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying, the kind of that assassinates character. It's the kind that builds people up and built a reputation for God. And they heard and their hearts were melting in fear. Now follow me, stay with me, come on. And, and so, this, so Rahab gets, gets smart and she says, listen, you know, hopefully that you'll remember me and have compassion on me the way, same way I did for you. You know what I'm saying? And they said, yes. And here's what I want. And, and so the Israelites said, here's what we're going to do. I want you, uh, when we come in, we're going to destroy this town and all this. But the way that we're going to know that this is your house, I want you to set up, uh, I want you to put a scarlet cord in your window. Do you, have you guys remember this story? We'll put a scarlet cord in your window. And so whenever we see this cord, we'll know this is your house. And the whole army will know we're not going to destroy your house because you have the scarlet cord in your window. Come on. And so they said, okay, th that's how it's going to roll. And so they go, she goes, they, the whole deal comes back. But this is, this is, I want you to catch this. The, the Hebrew word for tikva is, is, is hope. Hope is tikva. But the very first mention is this. I, it's, it's also can be translated cord. I want you to put a scarlet cord in your window so that way they know that your impending destruction is not going to come your way. Oh, y'all didn't catch that one. Come on, man. Come on. The reason she knew, the, catch this, there was impending destruction. The whole town of Jericho was like about to get flattened. Like not just by man's power, by God's power. The walls are about to fall. The people are about to get destroyed. But the only reason she knew that impending destruction was not going to go her way is because she put hope in her window. Come on. And what color was it? Come on, set free from the waterless pit by the blood of the covenant. Jesus is speaking to us, man. He's trying to tell us a story all throughout the whole Old Testament saying, man, it's the blood. You put the blood in the window, the cord, the hope, the hope of the blood. You put that in the window, impending destruction is not coming your way. Hey, she put hope in her window and she was free from the impending destruction. What are you going to do? I'm going to count my life on the blood. I'm going to hang up hope in my window. And lo and behold, you fast forward to Joshua 6 and 7. They go, they destroy the entire city. But Joshua made sure that Rahab and her entire family were protected. And you want to know what happened? Rahab gave, had a, you know, had a son and his name was Boaz. 
And Boaz had a son, and his name was Jesse. And Jesse had a son, and his name was David. And 14 more generations after David, there is another person born called Jesus Christ. You want to affect your generations, be a prisoner of hope. Come on, man. We don't have any time. We cannot afford to have ties with negative expectation in our lives. Jesus Christ came through Rahab, a prisoner of hope. You're like, man, well, does that mean bad things are never going to happen to me? I didn't say that. I didn't, this doesn't mean that bad things never happen to you. It just means that you weren't living with a cloud over your head. You weren't expecting it to happen. If it happens, let it be. Jesus said in John 16, 33, that, you know, uh, my peace I give to you and all this stuff, but trials and tribulations, you're in this world. You're going to experience these things, but I've overcome the world. He wasn't living with an impending doom over his head. And even if bad things do happen, you have such a hope alive in you that it trumps the circumstances. Come on, you live differently when you believe that God loves you. You live differently when you believe God is working all things together for your good. You live differently when you believe you have a good, good father. You live differently when you know you're loved and accepted and taken care of and protected. You just live differently. This is what God is calling us. When hope is alive in you, circumstances do not hold you down. And here's another encouragement. The cool part about seasons is that they have a beginning and an ending. And you're not stuck in your circumstances forever. Come on, that was probably one of the most encouraging things I heard when I had a season of depression in my life. It was rough, man. Spirit of fear would attack me. I would get anxiety attacks. Confusion would hit my mind. I would, I would be freaked out. I would think I was going to die. I would think someone poisoned me. Like all like retarded, like crazy, like just really stupid thoughts. But for some reason, I couldn't shake it. And then I heard one pastor say, seasons have a beginning and they have an ending. All of a sudden, my balloons started blowing up again. I was like, what? I'm not stuck in this forever? Thank you, Jesus. I will not expect this stuff anymore. I will expect good because Jesus took all of the negative so I could receive all of his goodness. Ooh. I have two other points and we'll try to go through these rather quickly. But number two is run to Christ. Number two is run to Christ. Break ties with negative expectations, but run to Christ. Zechariah but if we continue in the verse, he said, return to the stronghold. What do you think the stronghold is? It's the person of Christ. You get out of the pit and run back to the stronghold of Christ. This is a good stronghold, by the way. You might've heard in prayer that we're tearing down strongholds, but that's the kind of stronghold you want to stay up. You know what I'm saying? You run. Proverbs says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous, they run to it and they're safe. You run to Jesus. We get out of hopelessness and despair and we run to Christ. We go to the place of freedom in Christ. We, we go back to the place of redemption and the grace ground. We get like, man, I've been feeling hopeless. We'll run back to Christ. I was telling the dude at the, at the smoothie place, I'm like, you need Jesus, man. You need to go back to Jesus. Come on, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts. We go back to Jesus. He's the fountain of love. Jesus, I need to remember you again. I 
this is what I, this is what I'm trying to say. When we get so familiar with the substitutionary atonement of Christ, aka He took our place so we could take His place, it's easy for us to get lost in hopelessness again. But like I forgot what you did for me. Return to the stronghold. Go back and remember how you've been set free from the waterless pit. Come on, go back to the to return to the stronghold. Remind yourselves of what you have in Christ. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, let this be proof of your bravery that you flee to Christ, your stronghold. Never try to combat sin and Satan by yourselves, but always flee away to Christ. Inside that stronghold, the most powerful guns of the enemy will not be able to injure you. But if you leave the shelter of your master's protecting atonement and come out into the plain to contend against your adversity, adversary in your own strength, you will be in imminent peril of being destroyed. Therefore, in the words of my text, I say to you, turn you to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. He's saying, man, don't, 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 don't try to fight this thing on your own. Run back. Go back to Jesus. Come on, we got re- to get in his presence and let him ignite our hope again. We got to let him breathe on our dreams again. We, we have to let his word lift up our expectations again. We have to let his presence stir up creativity again. You get back to the presence, it changes everything. Hebrews 6.19 says, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul. This hope we have as an anchor, everyone say anchor this hope we have as an anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. Everyone say anchor of my soul, sure and steadfast. Come on, on the stormy seas of life, we are not moved because the hope has anchored us. And where is the hope anchored? In the presence of God. It says beyond the veil, in the holy place. Where is that? That's the very presence of God. We run to Christ. We run back to the presence of God. We say, God, I don't know what happened, but I let some hopelessness get inside of my soul. And my hope is an anchor for the soul, but it's anchored in your presence. So I'm gonna go back to your presence to get a little reignition of hope again because I started believing that I was stuck in this situation forever. Come on, I'll go back to your presence. How do we do that? In praise. We come back and we praise. And Isaiah says this, that he would actually give us the garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And literally the word for despair means faint, faint heartedness. He will give us a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. We come back to Jesus and say, God, I love you. Come on, just, just do that with me. Just take 20 seconds. God, we love you tonight. Jesus, we love you. God, our hearts, we just love you, Jesus. We thank you. We give you praise. There's something inside of us that just wants to love you, God. Jesus, we love you tonight. Come on, just whisper it out. Just just tell me, Jesus, we love you. I love you. All of my hope is in you. I praise, I give you praise. We love you. I just love you. I just love you, Jesus. 
Lord, we just love you. We just love you. Come on, just turn your hearts to him. You don't need a song. Just turn your heart and tell him you love him. Go back to the stronghold. I love you, Jesus. I love you, God. I love you. I really do. I really do, God. All we need is you. Come on. It's that simple, man. We go back there and all of a sudden presence of God falls on us. <laughs> We're like, oh yeah. If God is for me, who can be against me? I'm hidden in Christ. Psalm 22 says that God sits enthroned on praise. You know what happens when God sits enthroned on praise? He actually take his, takes his rightful place again in our lives. When we praise him, he makes a throne. And God's rightful place is a throne in your heart. And when you praise him, not because you have to, because there's something inside of you that just really loves him. He takes his rightful place and all of a sudden the God of hope is ruling in our hearts again. I don't praise him so I can get something from him. I praise him because I just need, I literally cannot live without him. He's a lifeline. Thanks, God. And he reveals his presence and all of a sudden we can think straight again. We run back to the stronghold and we take on the identity of prisoners in hope. It's that simple. We come to him in praise. How else? We come to him in humility, reading his word again. Say, God, I repent because I didn't trust you. Man, I'm telling you, you get the side note. We have a Crux podcast, so you can listen to Dominic's message. Hey. (laughs) He did an amazing message on fear, but you know what he didn't do at the very end? He didn't say, oh, you've been dealing with fear. Give me, let's let's hug and cry together. He said, you all need to repent for partnering with the spirit of fear. I was like, dude, that is the best way to end that type of sermon. Like, oh, yeah, let's coddle each other so that way we can feel comfortable in our fear. Like, no, like, let's repent and let's break agreement with that crap. Like, I'm not going to live under that. I'm like, yeah. I'm like crying like, God, I'm sorry. Like, I've been partnering with fear. And that's a spirit, which it means I've been partnering with the demonic. Whoa. Break agreement with that right now. You know, like, God, I don't want any demons functioning in my life. And we come, we had to come humble though. We come humbly before him. When manna came from heaven, it, it came from heaven on the ground. And you know what they had to do every time they picked up the manna? They had to bend down. Because you, whenever you receive the word of God, you're supposed to receive it in humility. Come on. His words, the proverb says, and Job said, his words are like my daily bread. Whenever you get the word, you have to come back again. We got to come back in humility, reading the word and be like, oh, God, I didn't trust in you with all my heart and lean not to my own understanding. But I trusted my circumstance. I trusted my word. I trusted my emotions. Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. And we humble ourselves and we just go back to the word and say, God, I humble myself and I trust you again. I'm sorry for not believing in what you said. Are you with me tonight? 
Oklahoma or something. God, I didn't. I'm sorry. You, you got to catch this, okay? You want to have a reignition of hope. Come to him and just thank and love him, praise him. But also get back in his word and, and come humble. And another part is we come in repentance. Just come and see. Acts 3.19 says that turn to God and repent so that your sins will be blotted out and times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. God, I'm sorry. I've been outside of the stronghold. I've been outside of Christ. I, I mean, I know I'm in Christ in my position, but I've been outside of him and hanging out. I need to catch the heart of the psalmist that said it's better to, it, it's, it's just one day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of wicked. God, just, I just come back to you and I humbly repent because I've been messing up. If you're in sin tonight, please repent. Please, 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 please. Last thing, and it's what I've been saying, I just want to say it again. Number three is just embrace hope. The Lord has called us prisoners of hope. People who are bound by hope. People who have, are just, we're like, we're stuck in this thing. Like, I can't help but just expect goods coming my way. I just can't help but dream. Man, I can't help. I remember I was in a season, we, we, we're cleaning my garage and we're getting ready for baby. So we're trying to like move things around and, and I'm looking through some of my old things and I'm looking through, like I wrote a lot of songs that I completely forgot about. And I'm like, I'm looking through my notebooks and man, I'm like, oh dude, that was really good. Why did I not do anything with that? Like, you know, you go through your voice memos and you're like, oh, I was just listening to my voice memos the other day. And I'm like, dude, why don't I do that song? Like, what am I doing? Like, and I would look at my last, you know, six months of my life. I haven't been writing songs. I haven't been I haven't, my creativity is just, I don't know what happened. I let life get in the way. My creativity stopped. And I'm like, ah, you know what I need to do? I need to set a day and not like a, I will, I will, I will type of deal. You know what I'm saying? But I, you know, I need to like just sit here and listen to all my voice memos on my computer. I need to go through all my old notebooks and like write like 30 songs. Even if they suck, like just finish them anyway. Come on. It's better to finish things than have a whole bunch of things unfinished. That's stressful. Hey. As for you also, because of the blood of your covenant, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. And check this out. Even today, I declare that I will restore double to you. Come on, man. Will Harden to start double it. The prophet Zechariah. <laughs> Double joy for your sorrow. Double blessing for all the curses we've experienced. Double peace for your stress. You fill in the blanks. This is what life in Christ is supposed to be. In his presence is fullness of joy. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. Is there, right, is there fullness of joy in your life? Is there, is there a, a, a peace that surpasses understanding? Is there an eager expectation of hope? If not, either get saved or return back to the stronghold of hope. This is normal. This is not extraordinary. This is normal Christian life. Jesus didn't walk around going like, yeah, I guess I'm gonna die in three days, guys. Uh. 
yeah, you know, the Samaritans rejected me. I think I'm going to go have a pity party. Oh, you don't believe me? Oh, man, I cannot handle it when no one likes me. He's just not like that. He was so secure and confident in God. This is life in Christ. Even today, I declare to you that God will restore double to you. Double. Double for your trouble. Come on. Uh, worship team, come on forward. I'm going I'm I'm to pray. I'm going to share. I just want to just, just bless you guys. Today is the day that you change what you expect. And you start accepting the fact that you're really loved and you have a whole lot of good coming your way. Amen. Write this verse down and then we're going to close, okay? R Romans 4, 18. Romans 4, 18. Against all hope, in hope, Abraham believed. And so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Against all hope, in hope, Abraham believed. Against all hope, in hope, Abraham believed. Everything in his circumstance was telling him, this is a stupid situation to hope. Against all hope, in hope, Abraham believed. You can't believe unless you have hope first. Against all hope, in hope, Abraham believed, and so became the father of many nations. Hey. Well, I don't know about my situation. Yeah, he was 100 years old, impotent, and he, God told me he was going to have a kid. And how long did he wait for his promise? Long time. Against all hope, in hope, Abraham believed, and so therefore he became the father of many nations. Become like a child again and just trust. Dad's taking care of you. Hey, let's stand together. Thanks, God. It is time to dream again. It is time to believe again. Ah, it is time to eagerly expect that God is actually on your side. He's healing your body. He's strengthening your spirit. He's, 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 he's giving you deliverance from torment. He's healing your soul. He's, he's helping you change the way you think. It's just what God's doing. And Father, I thank you for everyone in this room tonight. God, I thank you that you could do what you did in Abraham and us, that against all hope, that into hope, Abraham believes. God, I thank you that even in the most trying of circumstances, God, I thank you <laughs> for hope being released. Come on. I dare you to trust him again. I dare you to trust him again. I dare you to trust God at his word. I dare you to return back to the stronghold and become a prisoner of hope. This is who you are. This is who you are. God, I release, God, a revelation of prisoners of hope. God, I thank you for a group of people, God, who are bound by hope, that they cannot help but good is coming their way. They cannot help but believe and expect that they're blessed, impossible to curse, anointed to prosper, empowered to overcome, blessed with the blessing of God. Oh!
God, in Jesus' name, I break the spirit of despair. I break the spirit of hopelessness. I break your power in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I call forth. I call forth hope. I call forth hope. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, raise your hands and receive. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Ah! That spirit, that lying spirit that tells us, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I heard that before. I break your power. In Jesus' name. God, thank you that the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. If you raise the Son of God from the dead, there's nothing that you cannot do in our lives. God, we thank you, Christ, in the anointed one inside of us, the hope, the hope, the hope of glory, the hope of the manifest presence in our life, the hope of the God breakthrough. Break, 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 show in Jesus' name. God, I release hope for jobs and better jobs. I release hope for schooling, God. I release hope for finances. I release hope for dreams, God. I release hope, God, for families, God. I release hope for healing and for health in the name of Jesus. Grab a hold. Grab a hold. Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today, I declare that God will restore double to you. Double, double, double. Prisoners of hope. Come on, raise your voices and thank God for the breakthrough. Thank God. Hallelujah. Come <laughs> on.